0: Hello and welcome to The Importance of Staying Earnest where we discuss the elements of taking on a career in the arts as a young person in the modern day. So sit down, stand up, grab a tea or something stronger and come with us on our journey to find some direction in our lives. My name is Harry and with me is my fellow host and good friend, Emily.
1: Hello. Yes, welcome. This week, we're going to be talking about what it's like when you do land a job in the arts, unconventional ways of getting a foot in the door, and um, something that I think most people experience, which is imposter syndrome. So, joining us to discuss all these things is the wonderful Grace Curry. Hello, Grace. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? Very well, thank you. As much as we can be, you know, in a national lockdown during a pandemic, but you know, all good, all good. Yep, feel that. So, um, Grace, do you want to just say a little bit about who you are, what you do um, for a job, what you want to do, this sort of general
2: introduction? Yeah, of course. Um, so, I am a freelance director and stage manager. Um, I'm originally from North Yorkshire, um, but have kind of done work all over the place. I worked down in London, Manchester, um, even did a panto stint in Blackpool. Nice. Um, I'm mostly interested in musical theater, um fantasy, comedy, things like that. I I'm, I'm very concerned with things that are escapist and allow us to kind of go to magical worlds, which I think is kind of what everyone needs
0: at the moment. Mm. I'm with you on that. I I love fantasy stuff. If we can okay. talk about that in this episode, I will this may be like a 3 <laughs> hour long conversation.
2: Oh,
1: no. oh 100%, 100%. <laughs> um yeah, so I met Grace while we were at uni, so you were the year yeah, the year above me, weren't you? Yes. Um, I'm trying to actually remember when I would have first met you. Oh, you were my peer mentor, weren't you? Yeah, you were my,
2: my drama department daughter. Oh, and then uh, we became wives. And then very incestuously, you became my drama wife in yeah. second year, and we had our own children. You graduated in 2018, is that correct? I did, summer 2018.
0: Ah, so, so you've had a couple of years... Before yes. the yeah, world yeah, yeah. ended.
2: I'm, I've nearly been out for as long as I was in uni, which is really oh, upsetting. God. Ugh,
0: that's a horrible oh, no. way to phrase that.
2: Yep. Um, <laughs> is it just me, grace or does it genuinely feel like it
1: was about like six weeks ago that we were at uni?
2: It's really bizarre. I was looking through photos the other day mm. and I could remember like the parties or the shows so vividly. And I was like, God, this just literally feels like it was yesterday. And now I'm like, oh, my God, that was nearly five years ago. I know it, it's weird. It's very bizarre. I, I think know. we can count
0: it as four years ago. I think one of, like last year, like uh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Take take this whole year out.
0: Not enough <laughs> happened to warrant it being a year in anyone's lives, and therefore, I don't think we should count it.
2: No, nah, I'm with you. I'm not. Yeah, I'm fine. Like, remove it from everyone's passports. Yeah. Yes, please.
0: The I'm a year, year younger.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway,
1: so since uni. So we went to university in Manchester. um, And then, am I right in saying you pretty much moved almost straight away to London? No. So
2: I graduated in July 2018 and then spent six months at home, basically, just working in a pub and saving. Mm. um, Because I knew I wanted to move down to London. Didn't really know what I was going to do. And then in kind of mid-November, somebody posted on a Facebook group that I was in, like, oh, I'm going to move away for two months does anyone want my gorgeous enormous naturally lit room in finsbury park in zone two for like 120 pounds a week dude and i was like right (laughs) cool so i'm gonna move down to london next week (laughs) Mum and dad um (laughs) went down and literally turned up on the first day applied for a job at a restaurant and was like yeah this is fine i'll make it work
1: Mm. nice i mean like um well done for doing it, because I I do actually now remember having conversations with you, and you were, I mean, I've been to um, your house in Yorkshire, and it's beautiful, but it is in mm. the middle of nowhere, which isn't necessarily what
2: you want when you're like 21, no, it's, 22. It's and... very, very cut off, um, and I like I live on a farm, which is you know great, but <laughs> it's not quite the kind of hustling, bustling theatre no. environment. No, when you combine that with the bit. stresses
0: of now you could live in london or on a farm and that's all that it is i think there's a lot of frustration flying about especially with me because i'm living at home there's that sense of wow help i've there's, i'm i'm meant to be doing things and i'm not doing things and so taking that initiative takes a decent amount of guts yep. actually i think um and
2: yeah yeah i think like when you consider this year though with the amount of yeah. people that are now living at home or have kind of uh prematurely possibly moved in with partners you know Mm. people have just done what was best for them and you you just can't compare yourself to what other people are doing you'll know well i mean what you did
1: then would just kind of be around
2: impossible right now because there's just oh god totally no job and and (laughs) since since having moved out of london because of the pandemic the prospect of moving back down there now just feels so overwhelming really um i I don't know if i could do it quite so jump in work it out afterwards right i don't feel like you do it in that way again. like a reason to go there like having a job in the first place and then finding a place to stay possibly i i would need to have the same situation where there was somewhere that was so ideal um that wouldn't cost an arm and a leg to just go for um 'Cause I, I ended up when I last went down, I ended up actually getting my first theatre job on the wow. first day I tipped up down in London. Um but I that just wouldn't happen now. So Yeah, how it, did was, that it was happen? a Twitter call out. Um so I followed a couple of producers and uh companies from up in Manchester on Twitter, and literally my first day in London, I saw a call out for an assistant stage manager to work on the transfer of Aspects of Love, uh, which was a musical that was on at Hope Mill Theatre in Manchester, um. uh, and they were taking it down to Southwark Playhouse. So I literally just sent them a message, being like, "Hi, um, I've done some ASMing before, um, but I'm a recent Manchester graduate who's just moved to London. It would be really special for me to get to work on a Manchester transfer." For my first job, and they pretty much got back to me and were like, "Yeah, go on, come get it."
0: That's absurd. If Which I'm perfectly was honest,
2: that's bonkers. I mean, yeah, knowing, knowing, knowing the general manager now, I'm like, "Why did you do that?" That could have been such a bad decision. It wasn't. It was a great decision. Wow. Yeah.
1: Gosh. And honestly, though, I think it is so true that so often people do actually end up getting jobs. I don't know whether this is just in the arts or more broadly, I expect more broadly, but obviously I don't really have as much experience with that. Um, but like through those sort of connections and messaging people as opposed to necessarily mm.
2: the direct applying for jobs that, yeah. you know, what come up it? in the an advert you know, or whatever. What you know. yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd like, yeah, I think with theater, once, once you kind of have a network and have a sense of who you like working with, who's making mm. what, and you can kind of forge your own pathway um, but yeah, it can be very nepotistic and, you know, who you know. And So not is that experience
0: what's kind of led you uh, into that freelance environment as opposed to maybe looking for a more kind of climb the ladder career based idea, like that ability for you to communicate immediately and then get a job? Has that pushed you at all? Or do you think you were always going to end up in that slightly more ethereal space of, of having jobs, not having jobs, etc.?
2: ethereal freelancing is is anything but ethereal (laughs) um (laughs) no um i think i like the idea of working on lots of different projects i like that you know Mm. i can go from doing a zombie play to a classic broadway musical to a pantomime Mm. um and that's you know really refreshing it keeps you on your toes especially when you're doing eight shows a week it's nice to have some variation in what shows you're doing. Um, But it is quite relentless. And I don't think I realised how brutal it can feel um, until it was like the first summer that I'd been freelancing and I finished a show and just could not get any work. And there were just two months where I was Mm. not getting any offers. I was sending off CVs and not hearing back or getting rejections that I was like, well, I at least kind of thought I'd get an interview um it's a it's a really really tough industry and you have to kind of have that mental capacity to be like okay there's just not work right now um and i think especially now more than ever oh god totally like the amount of cvs i've sent off in the past week um and me and a couple of friends have started doing this thing called the 100 rejections challenge um (laughs) so we're, we're all trying to get 100 rejections over the course of this year um because uh the idea is if you're not getting 100 rejections, you're not putting yourself out there enough. Wow. Um, so I'm on a solid five or six now, I think. Decent way You've got way a little to go. way to go. have hey. got a little way to go. I'm pretty sure we'll get there. It's
1: all right. At the time of recording, we're still only in February, so you, you've you got You have a time. decent amount of time
0: yeah. to get through there. That's actually quite fascinating. I've never thought about the idea of like, you know what? I'm going to set a goal of how many rejections I can get in aid of knowing that with this block of Usually negative response. That's how you, what you need to get a positive. It that way. And Grace, that's...
1: do you think that that's that, like that sort of sheer number is in terms of just applying to everything that you possibly can, or do you think it's also in terms of reaching for those roles that are perhaps slightly aspirational and you know, I guess just putting yourself out there in order to push forward as
2: well. Yeah, def- I, I don't think there's anything wrong with showing people that you're aspiring for a particular role or career um mm. and putting yourself out there even if it is a little bit early um it's like quite a common thing we were discussing the other day like a lot of guys tend to do it earlier they don't mind putting themselves out there whereas women tend to be more held back and you know they won't go for that thing that they think in their head they're not qualified for so this yeah. has been quite nice in terms of it just gives you that little bit of a kick up the bum to be like do you know what? Maybe I won't get it, but it's good practice to write the CV, to send it off, to ask for feedback as well. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you can get feedback,
1: mm. it then actually makes her feel like there's a bit more of a point to it. I guess. Yeah, you you can always
2: be learning.
0: Yeah, has it changed yeah. your mindset towards rejections at all? But Do you know, I you- think
2: it actually has. You know, <laughs> like. There's been some that've just landed in the inbox and I've been like, oh well, it's another yeah. one on the another one on the list. Yeah. There's one that I've sent off recently that if that ends up on my rejections list, I will be a little bit mm. heartbroken. Aww. Um but yeah, it's it's kind of confirming to yourself that you can do it. You can put yourself out there. You can send the email and you'll feel better about yourself for having done yeah. it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah,
0: that's quite it's Again, I I hadn't thought about it in that sense. I do t- I do terribly with rejection and fear of rejection. Um, oddly enough, actually, I don't do particularly well with being accepted either, which is a nice segue. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> but very well.
0: Serious. Are you in work now? Are you?
2: I am. So, in terms of my muggle job, or day Mm -hmm. job, as it's otherwise known, um, I'm currently on furlough from a restaurant that I started working in last summer because theatres were all closed. Um, I've had a couple of interviews for directing jobs. I've sent off a couple of CVs. Um, I'm also in the process of developing my own project. Um, So, we're kind of in the seeking funding stages of that. Um, Mm. So, we're kind of making our own work, really, which is terrifying. Yeah. but very creatively fulfilling, which is kind of what my brain mm. needs right now.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah,
1: definitely. And like, how did did you find it when the pandemic first hit? Because you were working in a theatre when it first happened, weren't you?
2: Yeah, it was very, very bizarre. We literally that day, we arrived at the theatre and there was a conversation in the dressing room of, gosh, this COVID thing's getting quite bad, isn't it? Do you reckon we'll make it to the end of the run? And people were like, oh, well, you know, we'll, we probably won't make it to the end of the run, but I think we've got a good week in us yet. And we went downstairs mm. to warm up and it got to like 5.30 and someone was like, Prince of Egypt's just closed. Les Mis have just closed. Phantom's oh, closed. And we were watching as every single West End theatre started to shut down. Oof. And I think from that moment on, everyone just kind of went into shock. And we yeah. got through that last show and it was just the weirdest feeling. And, you know, the email landed at 10 o'clock being like, oh yeah, guys, we're, we're closed now. Um, wow. F- I think there was a good couple of weeks where I was just fully in shock. And it didn't really register with me properly. Like, mm. I just remember feeling really, really spaced out. And um, yeah, it was it was really strange to be employed one minute and then like, oh my God, our industry has literally just died. Yes.
1: And actually, theatre is one of the sort of few industries, because, you know, I mean, that and like, I suppose, sort of nightclub and that kind of stuff, It's they're the industries that really haven't,
2: properly been back throughout the pandemic it's Um, been a case of the producers that have had um you know there's been some producers that have had amazing initiative and and made things work but a lot of it has been about money and facilities um which is really frightening in terms of the effect that's going to have on fringe theatre and people just starting out and
0: Mm. people who
2: are making their own work that don't necessarily have Cameron McIntosh as their producer (laughs) but they're going to make a piece of work that could make people so much happier yeah um, so I've just yeah. got to hope it doesn't have too detrimental an effect on the kind of lasting power of lower-down theatre makers.
1: Yeah, do you reckon that will kind of sort of be the story when theatre starts to come back, In that it will be the, you know, big Cameron Mackintosh National Theatre-type things that are able to come back a lot sooner than the, the Fringe Theatre, just purely from a funding
2: perspective? I really hope not, Um, especially as... Before the pandemic, we were starting to see a really big shift in terms of theatres supporting, you know, working class artists, artists from Mm -hmm. uh, underrepresented backgrounds. There was a really big push for support. And I just really hope it doesn't see them cut off in favour of, oh, who has the most money? Because we're just going to have, you know, Edinburgh Fringe 2021 is just going to be a load of middle class boys from Oxford, making shows about quarantine the musical like oh my god i don't, I,
1: know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like,
2: I, I don't know if i even want to see no. one of those never mind no well,
1: it was so not.
0: one of the things i'm now not um applying for this but one of the things was i had to make a film for for one of my applications and when in the initial conception phase i was like i am not making a film about this pandemic because every man and his three dogs <laughs> is going to be doing that um but it really frustrates yep. me that that's probably what the kind of general idea is, probably for the next couple of years, a lot of stuff is going to revolve around.
2: I mean, I think there's I think there's definitely lessons that we can take from the pandemic into writing stories about, you know, people have suffered with huge amounts of loneliness yeah. and, you know, how, how can we take the experiences we've had in quarantine and in lockdown mm. and tell people that they weren't alone in those without just having a load of lockdown shows? Yeah, that's yeah I think it'd be really interesting
1: to see if people can be creative and run with the themes and feelings around the pandemic without it literally just being a show of loads of people, you know, all in their living <laughs> yeah. room. I
0: think I guess I guess that's just my frustration at the whole thing coming through. I'm like, I'm, I don't want to see it again. So maybe, <laughs> maybe that's me <laughs> being a little narrow-minded. Oh god, yeah. well, I guess it comes
1: back to you know about the sort of escapism of theatre, and actually, it probably is a bit soon to. Go from sitting in your living room on your own for months, weeks, however long, to on watching end. Watching someone else to then on a go stage. to a theater and watch someone go through the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, maybe we need a little bit more time for perspective.
0: <laughs> yeah, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps yeah. A little bit narrow-minded for me, perhaps, but I, I think that's how I feel at the moment. Um, I'd much rather enter the kind of fantasy more escapist narrative. Do you think you can, you can see that growing now?
2: I'm not sure, you know. I'm trying to think what's what's been really successful recently. Obviously everyone went mad for Bridgerton, which isn't fantasy, yeah. but it's, you know, there was this escapism of like, oh, let's all pretend we're in, you know, 18th century London and Yeah. when we're, <laughs> we're not all stuck on TikTok stuck in our buying house. corsets and stuff. Oh, <laughs> yeah, please. Um, um it is it is a thing though where in kind of collective post trauma um when, when like the whole world is feeling it that we do all turn to fantasy. It's yeah. it's mm. why there was a big two thousand and one boom in fantasy films. You know, we had Lord of the Rings, we had Harry Potter, mm. we later had yeah. the Narnia films. You know, people yeah. turn to that because they don't want to have to keep looking at what's happening in the real world. Yeah. So I yeah. think it would be amazing if we saw that start to happen. And
1: actually an interesting thing in terms of TV and film obviously more than theatre, but is that actually one of the things that has been easier to keep going is animation and cgi Mm. type stuff which obviously lends itself to more towards the fantasy um, than putting on shows where you need lots of actors in close quarters and such and just the logistics of Mm. you know getting everyone together and not just the actors but the crew and getting everyone tested all the time and everything like you know all of that's been a complete nightmare so, video
0: games are there as well, like story based yeah. video games. Have yeah, on. I, oh, I mean, the amount of people that have been
1: playing Animal Crossing and stuff.
0: Well, yeah, and that yeah. isn't even based on a story. That's just no. that happened to come out and be widely accessible, and everyone's like, well, I went from having very little time to now, literally, all the time in the world. I guess I'll build an island with kind of weird Nintendo characters. But I,
1: I think it's again that same idea of having that place to escape, too. Um, yeah. And, you know, this sort of. I think it's positive. yeah Yeah, definitely this other world you can go to um so like grace you've worked on some really cool shows over the last couple of years or so um and I mean I don't know about whether you'd want to go into the specifics of any particular shows you've worked on but I know that you've spoken to me a bit about um how you've sort of felt whilst working on those shows in that obviously I know you've had some amazing experiences but that also sometimes you've kind of felt a little bit sort of imposter syndromey? Yeah, um, definitely. And I don't know whether that comes from, you know, you sort of getting this kind of getting into the industry through the back door of tweeting someone or or whatever, but um yeah, I guess I was wondering if you'd be happy to elaborate on that a bit. Yeah, of course. I do you want to
0: outline because while I believe and the majority of people would know what imposter syndrome is, but do you want to elaborate on what that actually looks like as well?
2: Yeah, I definitely can. Um so, I didn't have a conventional route into the industry. As I've said, I got my first job via Twitter. Um, I did a academic-based drama degree rather than practical, so I didn't train in acting. I did lots of play reading for three years. Um, and in my third year, I got onto a stage management placement with the Royal Ballet, which was amazing. And that was kind of how I trained over those couple of weeks I was there. Um, but it's meant I've walked into some jobs where I've worked with people that are they did three years training in stage management and they've worked in the industry for six years and they know how to do X, Y, Z and terms get banded about and I've just kind of had to Mm. learn on the job, Mm. which I love and I think that's great. And it it can make you so much more practical minded. Um, But it has definitely meant that there's been times where I felt a little bit out of my depth. Um, And the imposter syndrome side of it kind of comes in where things feel like they're a little bit too good and you're like well there's definitely somebody who's more deserving of being here there's definitely somebody who actually has the qualifications and actually knows what they're doing and you know deserves to be here making this piece of work why am i here and it can just create the most awful like thought spirals which is not mm-hmm. productive to anyone especially when you're you know in the process of rehearsing something or in the tech process where you just need to have your head so in the game it can definitely yeah it, it can definitely kind of throw you
1: it's really interesting for me to hear you saying that sort of stuff because obviously so we did the exact same degree um and I'd say we had relatively similar experiences while we we're at uni obviously we yeah. did different projects and stuff but we both did a mixture of acting and directing and and things but um and so I've now gone to work in tv and I've often feel very um I I I get a lot of imposter syndrome because again I'm I'm working with people who have studied media and tv and production and everything um and well I'm I'm not camera trained I don't know how to do a lot of the sort of um that side of things and in my head I've often thought oh I don't think I'd feel this way in theatre and so for me to kind of hear you say that I guess it kind of brings home that actually to be honest I expect most people when they first start working regardless of their experience when you first go into the sort of professional world as opposed to making student film theatre whatever it is I suppose that there just must always be a degree of having to learn
2: yeah and I think which is no bad thing but I think I kind of didn't expect it to be so much on the directing side because I I'd, I'd done directing at uni and on certain yeah. projects and it's much more creative. I could kind of understand it when it was doing technical things like assistant stage managing, um, but then I remember going to my first professional ADing job and being like, I have no idea what I'm doing in this room. Of course, of course I actually did, but on the journey in, I was sitting there going, oh my god, they're all going to think I'm an idiot. Oh god, how mm. how do I talk to people? How do I talk to actors? What, what what do they want? What do they want? and it dawned on me that I think it it's just gonna always happen um mm. and I was in a talk the other day with Katie Mitchell, who's a very well known director, and you know she's in her fifties now, and she' was like, "Yeah, I still get it. I still walk Gosh. into a room sometimes and think, "God, how the hell did I get here? but you've just got to switch that bit of your brain off and go, right, we'll deal with that later,
1: yeah,
0: do you think you I'm I'm just I'm just kind of uh rolling with an idea here is that you don't really get imposter syndrome so much for what you would or you wouldn't label it as such if you'd never worked in a restaurant before and it's your first restaurant job.
2: No. Yeah, no. I see where you're but, coming from.
0: So what do you what do you think like the difference is? I think there's a positive spin on like you only really get it when you're somewhere you really want to be. Yeah. And so do you think there's a, a way of turning around your brain on that into saying, you know what, let's let's try? Because I've got it, I get it as well. Surprise, surprise. Um, three creatives with imposter syndrome walk into a bar. Um, <laughs> do you think there's, do you have any methods of, of trying to turn around the, the thought process of imposter syndrome, how you've gotten through it without imploding or whatnot?
2: I've definitely tried to turn my brain to seeing every single opportunity as like a learning opportunity um Mm. so don't be afraid to ask the questions you know find somebody that you trust and say to them hey i actually don't know what this word means or what this cable does or you know i feel a bit stupid when you're all stood there talking about lighting desks can you give me a 101 and you know slowly you'll start to build up your knowledge from there generally in terms of managing the like mental health side of it i think you've got to have that faith in yourself which i absolutely suck at um and you know you've not been picked just like on a whim you know they'll have seen something in you that they were like oh this will work within the team that we have um so just you've just generally got to give yourself a bit of a pep talk um i'm saying this as if i i'm any good at it i'm really not it happens all the time i i walk into a job and i'm like oh god i should not be here yeah um yeah it's it happens to everyone basically and I think everyone's still trying to work it out
1: yeah and actually I like your thought process Harry of thinking about it in terms of that the reason that you're concerned about it is it's because you really care about the job and you want to impress and you want to do a good job of it because it's it's where you want to be and what you want to be doing um yeah. and Yeah I think I think you're right Grace as well in that it's kind of recognizing that actually everyone feels that and while you might be there in a more junior position the person who's in that position ahead of you you know they might be feeling the exact same way or at least have recently or do in certain situations still Um, and so I think it's also just kind of acknowledging that no I'm probably not going to know what to do in every situation But I guess, like, recognise that, you know, I'm capable at certain things. I do have lots of skills. I do have ideas and things that I can contribute. Um, So I guess we'll just do my best with what I've got, learn what I can, and make it even better next time,
2: I suppose. I think you can not be afraid to tell the people that you're working with that you feel like that sometimes as well. Like, Mm. on some of the shows I've worked on, I've uh been an asm with one of my really good friends zoe and we have a really good relationship of there's certain things that she's better at than me and so there'll be times when i go actually do you know what Zoe? can you give me a hand with this i don't know what i'm doing um or you know if there's days where one of us feels a little bit uneasy we go don't worry i can focus if you need me to do the talking to people today i can do that um so like don't be afraid to tell people because most likely they're feeling the same way as you've said yeah
0: I really like the idea of, like, everyone in a creative room just thinks everyone else knows exactly what they're doing.
1: <laughs> it's when hilarious. the
0: reality is that everyone sat there <laughs> thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm stuck in this room with all these creative geniuses, why am I here? It's just the same thought process among everyone in a meeting room. It kind of cracks me up.
2: Yeah, <laughs> everyone is sitting there thinking that everyone else is, like, the best in the business and knows exactly what they're doing, and in their head they're like, oh my gosh.
0: Happening. Makes you wonder how anything gets done
2: Yeah, <laughs> Honestly it's a miracle Because everybody's <laughs> extremely capable That's how things get done Even if yeah. people don't have faith in themselves
0: I had it really aggressively um, When I got, a, I got an offer for my Masters Because I was Legitimately thinking I, I genuinely, I got the call And I was really excited about getting the call And I was driving home from work And I was literally like This has got to be a scam this is, this cannot be, like, nope, I refuse to believe this is a scam. I went and did, like, an hour of research into on the website being, like, where is it? Where's the bit where they take all my money from me? And I've been, I've been bamboozled. What's going on?
2: My boyfriend said this to me the other day. He was like, you always assume that the worst is going to happen to you. And you're like, you think that you deserve the worst thing to happen. And when the good things happen, or when somebody says something nice about you, you're like, no, no, no. They, they didn't actually mean that. They're saying <clears> this because they feel <clears> bad. <throat> he's like what? you're literally you're you're telling your brain that you can't win
1: yeah it is it's mm. a mindset that's, thing.
2: that's so true literally yesterday
1: at work um it was a bit of a hellish day like there was just a lot of people in the studio a lot going on a lot of moving parts um and I was literally sprinting around the studios all day um and at the end of it like the floor manager came over and sort of said oh like you you know you like we're, thank you so much for today like you did a really good job like it's, it's not gone unnoticed you know people have sort of been talking about it and at first I was like ah yes I, like okay that's kind of made what has been a day where I've wanted to scream for half of it kind of worth it um but then about I was driving home like an hour later and literally in my head I was like oh my goodness what if she's just said that because they actually think that it's sort of because of me that I've done a really bad job and because I'm quite young, they don't want to like hurt my feelings. And so they're just trying to, you know, sort of like almost make me feel like everything's okay so that I'll actually do a better job next week or or, or they're making me calm down so that I'll be in a better place for when they fire me for next week. Huh. Yeah. And I mean, that's just, I was I was given one compliment and that's where my brain yeah. went. Yeah. Granted, I'd been up since 4am so that might not have helped the
2: proceedings, but you know, it's just, yeah... It's just like there's that little claw in your brain that latches onto it. And then it's like, how far can we run with this? Yeah.
0: And not to mention the fact that we're all discussing this now, like with each of our stories that we've just mentioned there, it's just kind of that thing of each of us is sitting here thinking about the other person being like, wow, that's completely mental. Why would you think that? (laughs) While in our own heads also being like having almost exactly the same process happen to us and think it's completely ordinary. It's, it's actually having spoken about it in such length now what the hell is going on what are we doing yeah (laughs) like it's (laughs) baffling that we would be caught in such a situation like this where that where our heads can just hold those two
1: i mean i don't know if any of you guys have experienced different but i don't think there's anything in particular about sort of the industry that causes you to feel that way like i can't think of any sort of like external pressure or whatever that i've ever necessarily felt that has made me go to that i mean i don't know if you've experienced any different grace but i think it's literally just my brain trying to annoy me
2: like the the only thing i can think of is that certain things are so competitive you know i definitely understand it with acting and performing oh my god like i have so much respect for Actors that can take rejection for, you know, it can be a looks thing. That must be mm. crushing. Because you can't do anything about that. Like, no. realistically, mm. God, that must be awful. Um, yeah, the only thing I can think of is that certain things are so competitive. But you you spend the entire application process being like, well, I'm the best person for this. I I deserve to get this. These are X, Y, Z reasons why I deserve to be in this job. They give you the job and you're there and you're like, oh my God, there were like 30 other people that went up for this. And now I'm like, maybe one of them was probably better mm. for it. Mm. Um, which obviously, you know, they weren't necessarily. That's why you've got the job.
0: Yeah. yeah. So Emily, do you want to explain what our kind of final segment with this is? Because we've been talking yes. for a really good time now. Um, and I think that that previous conversation about fringe and creativity leads pretty well into what you've set I'd up. I agree.
1: So, Grace, we've got a little game for you to play, okay. if that's okay.
2: Yeah, let's go for um,
1: it. And so, I know for a fact that we've been in situations before where, um, particularly as students, you kind of end up getting asked to do things that are a little bit wild. Um, And so you might have not much budget, a slightly crazy brief that someone wants you to do. Um, and you've just sort of got to try and make it work as best you can. Yep. So I'm going to give you a little brief um, of a show that you've been asked to do as a director. Uh, and then you can just take us through your thought process of how you'd go about it, if, um, if that works for you. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So you've been asked to direct a devised show about the 2020 US general election. You have a fifty-pound budget, two actors, and the space you have uh, to use
2: is a disused classroom. What do you do? <laughs> you what can do have you a minute do? to think What's about it. Your- okay. My immediate thought is, you know, we've got Jill Biden, who is, yeah. I believe, the first first lady to have a job like outside the White House, isn't she? Like, is she? I she's, so, yeah. she's keeping up her work. or at least like full time. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of and important. now we've got our first female vice president, Kamala Harris, who's also the first black vice president. Um, oh, I'd, lo- I'd love to work somehow with kind of women in power and, you know, the, the shifts that we're seeing and the women that have come before them. You know, we've just seen Melania out. Um, mm. We had Michelle Obama who was absolutely and continues to be absolutely incredible. Is there something to be done there? Possibly oh okay maybe i'm gonna shift here because i think classrooms like the american school system and and the way that that can be very politically weaponized you know you've got kids that are going to the same school whose parents are either you know very aggressively republican or um very aggressively uh liberal like oh Possibly then having your two actors as two separate kind of the, the product of two separate households that are very strongly rooted in those beliefs, opposing mm. beliefs. Um, That'd be cool. And so
1: like two <sighs> kids in classrooms kind of thing. Or? Yeah.
2: I would love like to. Okay. So I would potentially like to do something with like verbatim text and asking kids Ooh. what they, what do they mm. know about the election and what do they know about politics based on what they've heard at home.
0: That would be fascinating. That'd be really in cool. general. Like the yeah. kind of like,
2: the, the trickle down politics of you know the yeah. things that you learn as a child. And yeah. and you know does that influence what we think later on or Yeah. Um nice. yeah, possibly that. So my 50 pound budget would possibly be used to for some kind of recording equipment for audio mm. uh to be played back. Um Yeah. That's, nice. I like that's it. Where my I brain can, that's yeah. very
0: cool i like that idea thanks make it happen
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's all right we won't hold you to (laughs) it um cool well thank you so much for playing that game um as i liked your idea we're going to give you 30 seconds to plug whatever you want (laughs) okay you ready
2: yeah and go um, so I'm currently working on a new show which is a devised Christmas production which will be coming to my local community in North Yorkshire hopefully this Christmas. It's about a calf called Percy who's based on my real life pet cow um, and how he wants to go and join Father Christmas's sleigh team. Um, so if you want to follow that uh, you can follow me on at GraceCurry underscore on Twitter. Um, there's usually lots of cow and animal related content on there anyway. Um, I'd also like to take a second to recommend that everybody goes to watch The Colour Purple, which is being streamed by Leicester Curve. Their last stream production, Sunset Boulevard, was amazing. Um, and I have very, very high hopes for this one too. And it's a really important piece of theatre.
0: Stop! Whew. Nailed it.
1: Crushed it. Yes.
2: Well, Grace, thank you so
1: much for having a chat with us today about all kinds of things, really, in the that end. That is alright. It's been lovely.
0: Yeah.
1: Well thank you so much and I um, hope we can see you soon and also I really like your Christmas cow play it thank sounds you. so sweet
0: that sounds amazing actually oh. I'm upset we didn't manage to talk about that more but maybe next time
2: <laughs> another time we'll you literally just need to talk to me in person and I usually end up talking about cows Emily Emily was actually in <laughs> one of my previous plays about cows this is true so <laughs> well thank
1: you Grace Um, we will hopefully see you soon thank you guys it's been a pleasure okay Wonderful. bye bye <laughs> Oh, I miss Grace. Oh, she's such um such a lovely person and, and very intelligent. She had some really really good points and I'm really glad that we spoke about some of the things that she brought up, like imposter syndrome, um and yeah, just sort of like the how how you can end up feeling when you enter the workplace. I think that's I think that's a really important thing for people to discuss.
0: I think it um, spreads across I think it spreads across all um industries as well you could go anywhere anywhere that demands you know a level of competency Um, Mm -hmm. and then you people put that pressure on themselves and I think it's important for everyone to realize that everyone else is thinking the same thing
1: definitely definitely um but actually one of the things that we touched on but I felt like there might be a little bit more to say about is about finding sort of alternative ways into the industry that you want to work in um and i th- i think we sort of mentioned on the podcast that i'm not i'm not 100% sure how this translates to other industries having not worked in them but most people i know really who who work within the arts hasn't they haven't had their first job by doing a job application online or or whatever it's through who they know it's through as in grace's situation tweeting someone it's all these sort of like networking opportunities
0: well there's a really interesting question right there's the saying who you know not what you know and I've always kind of been a bit like Mm. "Ooh, it's kind of rubbed me the wrong way because of obviously the fact that um trying to find who you know is is kind of a weird question right you'd want everything to be on merit but I think the step before that right the the idea that even with an quote unquote unconventional way into the industry there's a step before it there's the work to you know find who you'd want to message on twitter and then the guts to actually go out and do it right um
1: and I I think honestly the guts is such a big thing oh yeah because actually you know if if you put the time and effort into it it's perfectly possible to get the email address or the twitter handle or find someone on linkedin who is someone that you'd like to work with particularly if you're working in the arts industry because it's usually quite sort of public saying. people yeah, it's that pretty, work with the public
0: it.
1: but to then actually make that step to reach out and also to to find a way of doing it that's not you know obnoxious mm. or
0: arrogant sort
1: of stepping on anyone's toes or yeah not not coming across as give me a job
0: yeah.
1: i'm the best person you'll ever meet give me a job yeah. except you kind of need to feel like that in order to make that step to write a really well crafted message, email, whatever it is, Com- to them to, to reach out and make that contact. And whether that in itself gives you a, do- a job directly or whether that allows you to have a conversation with someone who could give you other contacts or insights into into what might be good steps for you to make. It's, it's all really useful stuff if, if you can do it.
0: Confidence is a strange beast like that, a real strange beast. Um, yeah, I I know I struggle with that, especially when you because you've got that weird layup of you have to care what people think about you enough to analyze yourself and put yourself into a position where you're likable, but not care enough to worry to the point of not putting yourself out there.
1: Mm.
0: And if you go too far one way, if you go too far down the I you know I don't care what people think about me way, you can come across as a bit of a jerk. And ultimately, just become unlikable. But if you go too far, the I need everyone to like me route, you won't do anything. You'll be stuck inside your own head as to every, you know, overthinking every item that mm. you, uh, that you, item of clothing that you wear, every thought, every speech, that, you know, every every word that you say. Um,
1: and actually, I think you said something quite important there in that oh, thank you. overthinking can almost lead to making that hard to strike that balance.
0: Yeah, very much.
1: Because if, at the end of the day, if you are bubbly, chatty, kind to people, helpful, by and large, people will probably want to help you in return. You'd hope so. Um, You know, simply by just having that output of a positive attitude. Um, And yeah, I, I think that can go that can go a really long way yeah
0: and i think grace really embodies that actually from from having you know obviously not you know this is one of my first conversations with her she seems to embody that confidence without coming across as entitled or you know or the opposite which is begging for jobs and that kind of thing so i I think um i think grace is a pretty decent embodiment of that from what i uh what i heard of her
1: definitely was there anything else you wanted to pick up on from the conversation we had?
0: I really wanted to go back to that 100 rejections challenge. Just genius. <laughs> You'd <love that>. Genius. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. Um, the I, I mean the idea of it is is just fascinating to me. Um that, you and
1: your philosophy degree oh
0: that's that's that spin though right like the mindset of of something that's so crushing to you know and can be because that's the weight that it holds and turning that into something is like well i need to get 50 more of them or i'm a failure it's like wow what a weird reversal of of uh, of, of of roles and ideas there i thought that was absolutely fascinating i kind of loved it
1: I think it's also a really useful way to increase your productivity around it because I think one of the things, or at least I find, I don't, maybe other people are different, but sometimes I'll know that I've seen a job that I want to apply for and it will get to 4 pm and I'll have been sat around all day doing anything and everything but this job application. And it's probably by and large because I'm scared of doing it and then facing what sometimes feels like the inevitable rejection that follows
0: yeah and if you can find victory in the defeat of what a rejection might be yeah just you know how many more dice are you going to roll if the if the bad ones are you know at least somewhat as good as the good ones it's very cool mm. very cool fascinating conversation i loved it
1: yeah it was really nice having grace on and hey she was talking about a play maybe we'll have to have her back in
0: i know yeah and after and the cows. cow play <laughs> her second cow play yeah that was unexpected. That came out of nowhere <laughs> It um, took a turn for you at the end Oh yeah I, I was not expecting the Christmas cow play but uh, I wouldn't change it for the world I don't think
1: <laughs> Anyway, before we go I just wanted to say thank you so much to Grace for coming on to have a chat with us today. Do go and follow her on Twitter to find out more about the wonderful cow play and all other things that she's up to at Grace curry underscore on Twitter
0: thank you for listening to the importance of staying earnest if you want to keep up with us outside the podcast you can follow us on twitter and instagram at tiose underscore podcast or on facebook at the importance of staying earnest podcast if you would like to reach out to us you can find us at tiose.podcast at gmail.com please drop us a review if you enjoyed and we'll see you next time